0: the 1st of April, but as farming comes around, you've got to put farming first, and you're a new starter on the farm that you've just bought as well, so you've got to keep that pumping. Welcome to the Farms Vice Podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the Farms of so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms of and let's get into this episode. G'day and welcome back to a cracking episode of Farms Ice Podcast where we've got a couple of exciting launches, collaborations, agronomists, and also some pretty good information and a bit of a yarn along the way. But we'll let the episode. Talk all about it. Martin, Murray, Muzz, good to have you back on the Farms Advice podcast. It's been a while in between a few episodes, but we've got some exciting news. Great to have you on.
1: Yeah, good to be here, Crazy. Always good to be on the Farms Advice show and congrats on hitting the two hundred thousand mark was.
0: Yeah, two hundred thousand. Um it was actually a week or so ago, but I didn't see the info until a little bit later. I don't tend to check the insights like before starting the podcast, I used to refresh every half an hour. Uh, but now it's it's a bit nicer not to be checking that every bloody 30 minutes, which is good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a, um, using a browser now, it, it makes it a bit more friction, you know, between yourself and and
0: checking it. I've, I've noticed myself since swapping over. Yeah. That's, um. It's Yeah. When we were running off anchor, I'd just be checking it in the paddock. I'd be checking that more than I would have, my social media, I suppose.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I checked it more than Snapchat.
0: 100%. But, um, Martin, just give us a bit of a rundown of who you are and where you come from and where you're yeah. back.
1: Yeah, yeah. No worries. I think last time we spoke, I was still practising as an agronomist, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so I was working as a commercial agronomist for a group called Amps. Uh, I was based out at Armatree, uh, which... Yeah, it was a great career and a great job. I really liked it, um, but then we bought a farm that was about five hours away, and I was getting a bit over the travel time uh, to go work on it on weekends. So I've since we last spoke, I've finished up with Amps. I'm now farming up at Dalungra, and I also work for a company called Growth Ag uh, as a territory manager, and do a bit of contracting to another company called Innovate Ag where. Work on R and D um, and yeah, mainly R and D research work and coordination. It's a um, it's a pretty interesting job, pretty cool product. Yep. Uh, that I work with there first one in the world to be registered with peptides as the active ingredient. But
0: yeah, yeah, right. Well, we might get into that a little bit more. But you went to uni. We both met at uni. um You went the agro side. I'm more of a stocky, so I went the marketing side of it all. And. Went that way, but you enjoyed your time throughout uni for those that don't know you. Yeah, yep. Yeah.
1: So we, we both went to uni, as you said there. Um yeah, good time, good good course, good uni. And um yeah, I guess it's sort of taken me to where I am now.
0: Legend good steed to buddy Punters Run.
1: That's it. What punters is it? Run partnership.
0: How'd you come up with Punters Run?
1: I thought it was funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, the banker
1: didn't. So that is that. That's what we trade as punters run partnership.
0: Yeah, so it's on our own paperwork as well. Punters run. Who's this? Like wanting a loan coming in. Punters run.
1: Yeah, At yeah.
0: least, least they know you're having a punt. Trying to.
1: Well, yeah, and I don't know if you ever noticed it when you're at uni, but on that uh, Bundara Road out yeah. of Armidale, you've got the Poverty Pastoral Company. So that that was my inspiration.
0: Yeah, I was trying to think. There's a few weird names out there. Um, we might have to do a social post on the weirdest sort of um farming, enterprise, partnership, how it goes like that. But I think that poverty one, that's a bit rich. All yeah,
1: he's a pretty good operator too.
0: Yeah, a bit of a juxtaposition there. But, Murray, with your experience in coming on and everything, we ran, like, in the paddock episodes with yourself, and you've taken it off in two little snippets each week. And I think they're doing – World of wonders for the people that listen, and then there's also thousands out there that don't even know about it but could benefit from it. What's your experience been running in the paddock podcast on your own?
1: Yeah, so kicked that off not long after we spoke the first time, and um, yeah, it's it's been a pretty good podcast. I've I've got a lot of feedback. I I still find it funny whenever some like when I say whenever like occasionally someone will come up to me who's recognized me and said, oh, I really love the show. And yeah, I, I normally fall over laughing that someone actually recognized me from it. But um, basically just each week, I do a short little five, 10 minute piece uh, pretty well just on something in agronomy, something on um, farm management or, or things to look at in the paddock. And then occasionally we'll, we'll have a guest on to talk about something in a bit more detail. So recent ones were Rob Eccles, yep. uh, who we both talked about uh, high value, high production pasture systems. And he also covered off on hemp agronomy and how to grow and manage a hemp crop, uh, given he's currently one of the authors of the, the new hemp pest management guide. So that's been some interesting work.
0: Yeah, there's a fair few elements that go into agronomy. What what sort of areas do you reckon are you going to tackle, pastures to broad acre to where's it going?
1: Look, I try and, I try and you know, offer a broad church, um, but I tend to get stuck in knowing what I know. Yeah. Um, and, well, obviously, you don't want someone ra- ranting and raving about something that they don't really know either, so... Uh, we do tend to stick to broad acre dry land agronomy. Um, but when we do get into pastures or or something a bit different, something a bit interesting, uh, that's that's when we try and get a guest on that that knows more about it than I do.
0: Yeah, 100%. And for the big news, the launch of what it was that we were done off the 1st of April, but as farming comes around, you've got to put farming first. And you're a new starter on the farm that you've just bought as well. So you've got to keep that pumping. But Farms Vice bringing on in the paddock to include and get some more expertise on with your little snippets, Maz, and also the experts that you'll get. We can sort of narrow down the, on the agronomy. I think big space for mixed enterprise farmers to sort of improve their cropping side of it as well. Likewise, for them to improve their livestock side. But I think for us, like I, I learned heaps of mates from uni, like yourself about the cropping sort of systems and what to put in rotational um, just that sort of stuff to even what sort of rates we should be putting on out there. So it's exciting to sort of grow the farm media and that content um, from that side of it. What are you keen on the collaboration about you reckon?
1: Yeah, look, I'm keen to be part of the network, just um, come across to a, to a more broader uh, audience base. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, again, like I, I think it goes both ways, as you're saying, that, that mixed farming thing. I like we run a few cattle as well. So if I can get more out of that and turn that into a more effective system, other than a few cows that just sit out in the paddock and throw a bull in them with once a year, you know, um, I, I like to learn as well. And yeah, that's, that's one of the things I actually love about getting a guest on or listening to your own show is, um, yeah, just. The broad church of people in ag and the handy handy little facts that you can uh, get from everywhere
0: yes those little things like we i went to a sheep event the other day t90 and you didn't actually need to buy a piece of equipment but you could take that info home and implement it into your own sort of system um and then that could improve or save yourself time improve your profits over time as well rather than having to go out there and why all this ag tech and not really knowing what the outcome is. So it's good to have those free takeaways. No doubt they'll be getting some from ITPs, the short name. So in the paddock.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that's the stuff that I find most handy. Like um, one of my more recent Wednesday tech talks was on Silicon and it's use in the cropping system. And that came from a GRDC update that I was at. And that has to be, you know, one of the most exciting, Presentations I've seen in a while, because yeah. it didn't require any major system changes. It doesn't require new bits of machinery. Anyone can do it, and the results were just really exciting. the uh, The overheads to get into it were zero. You've just got to get the gear and have a bit of a play.
0: And you said yourself in that one that you're going to run it out on yours as well.
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've teed up with the um, with the manufacturer, and we're going to have a couple of trials out there, which. Uh, i'll be posting about throughout the year no doubt on um my instagram and facebook and even youtube i do a little bit of that too
0: yeah a prest- bit of prestige worldwide happening um on all accounts there but that'd be good to see i think someone at the event the other day as well keep mentioning it like how research not connected to action on farms and the like we've got the two elements but they're not really connecting and receiving that so like to get that directly out to you as a trial, but also you got the podcast as well to run that information out pretty handy
1: yeah that's it and that's and that's one of the things that you know if we go back to, to almost where i started in it well where i did start in agronomy was at amps yep. um, for those that don't know like that that business it's a reseller business but it exists to fund grower driven research and that was one of the things I really loved about it was that everything, um, you know, that they did had to come back to a a profitability mark. You know, not only does it work in theory, does it work in practice and does it make you money? And, you know, that's, that's where research needs to be at it for the grower level.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, like, I want to touch on starting your own farm. It's essentially from scratch, isn't it? You've gone out and...
1: It's not pretty, pretty much. Yeah.
0: a hand me down or a succession sort of planned out. You've sort of got debt chasing you sort of thing, um, but you're excited to get into farming yourself. How's it all sort of work in your operation?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, as you said, fair to say that we're, we're very leveraged. Um, You know, we, it wasn't a, a handout, but there was assistance in the form of loans were guaranteed type thing. So it's, you know, still lucky in that regard um but look to be honest we were with we our finance lined up we're in the market we we just happen to be in the right time right place uh and that was what led us to purchase this block so it's a original world war ii soldier settlement block uh so it's 340 hectares about 225 of that's arable yep. and um the rest is grazing predominantly it's pretty well just native grasses um so cropping is our main enterprise. Uh, we started out getting contractors in to run the entire show pretty well. Uh, they did the spraying, the planting, the harvesting. Uh, since then, we've we found contractors have become a little bit less available um, just as their businesses, like the people that we're using around our area, their, um, their business direction changed, so they ended up doing less around us. And um, so we, we've we gone out and bought our own gear, um, which we're... Uh, so we've got a three-point linkage old hay sprayer and a um, and what's called a sustain ag bio drill, but that's just the bar. We've got boss units on it, so it's a pretty handy rig. Yep. Um, so we're probably a bit overcapitalized to be honest, for our scale. Um, and in regards to the tractor, under horsepower. Um, so it's... You know, that's posing its own challenges. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that you've got to weigh up against the opportunity cost of not getting a crop in the ground. And it's a it's, a, it's an interesting position, really. You, you need more country to justify the gear, but that's, that's where we're at at the moment. And hopefully things change over time.
0: I think you do and you don't. Like, we just got auto-steer the other day, and, like, I'm more than happy to jump in spray ring go spraying now i just used to get so frustrated by the green spots i'd leave just from my lack of attention to that corner or that tree or something um, but now we've got that um i think it's like a bit of an optimizing sort of thing but yeah obviously H, a bit of hp would help you out there a little bit What what's your experiences with contracting 100 percent? like does that yeah uh, um, yeah
1: so it, it... Works well when things are working well. Um, so, like, it's particularly if you've got, you know, off farm income, another job type thing. You don't have to be there in the machine. Yep. Um, and so, you know, we we tried to make it as friendly as we could for uh, for the contractors. Uh, we, you know, one of the first things we did when we bought the place was we. Uh, Replumbed all the water, so there was a single fill tank. Uh, you had two tanks; you could swap between bore water and rainwater, um, and just swapped it all to a you know a two-inch camlock fitting um, on on all the tanks, all the fill points. The theory being that you know if there was a storm coming or something, and the uh, contractor had four farms to do, but could only do two. I wanted to be in the two. Yeah. I wanted it to be a you know a quick, easy painless job for them um and so that that worked well particularly because that that one operator they had um you know they had everything they had the spray rigs they had the sewing rigs they had the harvester um and then yeah it's it, it it then became a bit more difficult they sort of got out of the the spraying game um but were replaced by by another fella who's um you know, was, was good. And his machine suited the system. Um, and then he sort of upgraded to a 36 meter machine on, um, you know, different wheel spacings and that It didn't quite suit the system anymore. So we, uh, yeah, we, we just sort of stuck with our own gear. It's look, it, it comes down to relationships really. And, um, and being organized, being prepared and just managing everything well, You want to, uh, you know, keep them in the loop with where you're up to, where you're hoping to be, what you're expecting to have and all the stuff that you're expecting to have uh, there and make sure that you have everything there and ready on time for them just to sort of keep things moving.
0: Absolutely. So starting your own sort of farm as a young pup, youngish, what... What came out of the out of the forest that you didn't really expect? Having ne- like knowing what you do know, everything sort of about farming and cropping to livestock—is there something that jumped out of the woods to like sort of shock you about farming, or you sort of um, hit the ground running?
1: Yeah, no the the marketing. Yeah. So, production, you know, that's that's fine. That's easy. Um. You know, I, I tend to say anyone can grow a crop It's selling it that's the hard bit. Yep. That's, um, and that's one of the things that probably didn't consider enough when we bought the place that we bought. Um, and we sort of took things for, you know, for granted about the other areas I've been in. So, look, I've always worked around Moree or Armatree or Liverpool Plains uh, where, you know, if you don't have your own on-farm storage, it's no worries because you just run it into the nearest silo. Yeah. Uh, where, where we are, uh, we are about an hour and a half drive east of Moree, yeah. which is your, your nearest bulk handler. And so to send a crop to Moree, um, it's the like the easiest way to to get grain off the farm. We don't have a lot of storage. We can only sort of store about 200 ton and that's, you know, cobbling together mesh bins and round bins and all sorts of stuff. Um, So to send a crop to Moree, you know, it's the easiest way to offload a crop, but you've got to uh, really look at your marketing because in a way that's costing you about 50 bucks a ton. So it's costing you 30 bucks to get it there. And normally speaking, it'd be worth about twenty bucks less in Moree than it is X Farm because we're closer to the ports. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, it, it's put a lot of emphasis on on storage after that first year. And when I sat down and looked at that and like, geez, that was a four tonne wheat crop. It's cost us fifty bucks. You know, that's two hundred dollars a hectare. What else are you doing on farm that's going to cost you that much money? Yeah. It's um. Yeah, it, it's just a, just another way of looking at it. And I try and, you know, bring all things back to dollars per hectare.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the way of the world at the moment, isn't it? You've got to sort of nut down on your units per hectare, per head, um, per acre, whatever it may be. For yourself, like what's your operation look like? What crops did you get in last year? Did you get a crop in?
1: Yeah, so last year we... Um... We had mung beans um, that were that then went into fallow and then went into sorghum. Yep. Um, so that's still to come off. We're hoping to get into that in the next week. And uh, we had durum wheat in, so yielded very well. Um, but, yeah, the quality wasn't there.
0: Yeah, right. Just because it got so wet late in the season?
1: Yeah, probably probably just a cool cooler uh, wet, where to finish yeah. um, so it all went dr3 it, it wasn't downgraded to feed. it was still you know still durum quality yeah. um, and it probably didn't have enough nitrogen on it in hindsight going into just um, yeah going in just going off the the amount of stuff um, like nitrogen that was left in the soil after the crop um, basically, yeah, I, I was fairly down on that crop and, um, it wasn't sown under the most ideal conditions and it just, just left me feeling pretty poorly about it for the rest of the year. And it wasn't until the header went into it that I actually picked up and started to feel, um, yeah, feel a bit, bit cheerier about it. Uh, the story there was, we just, you know, had that really wet planning, uh, run and so we didn't get it sown until mid-June. And then we didn't, because it was a, um, we, had a we had a disc planner lined up. This was before we had our own planter. We had a disc planner lined up and it, that particular planter really didn't like wet conditions. It would just block up like all buggery. Yep. So we, um, we panicked, we borrowed the neighbors, like 50 foot gyral full incorporation um, machine. And we went and sowed with that. And, uh, yeah, it, it left seed everywhere from just under the surface to 10 centimetres down. Uh, and it took about a month for it all to come up. So it was just ugly. It was slow. It just, yeah. And we'd already thrown on 400 kilos of ammonium sulphate, which is about the equivalent of 200 kilos of urea. Yeah. Um, so it had a stack of N under it. Uh, which I thought was going to be enough because I didn't have high hopes for it after that germination. Uh, and I'm like, look, I'm just going to do a broadleaf and a fungicide and whatever it is, it is. So we, um, yeah. And it, it still honestly looked like a, a thin crop. It it wasn't, didn't look like a heavy crop right up until the header went in. So I wasn't, yeah, I, I still wasn't particularly hopeful. I was hoping for three and a half, four ton and um yeah, was pleasantly surprised with what we
0: got. Being an aggro, do you get a second aggro opinion or you just get all guns blazing?
1: Uh, not really professionally. Occasionally I get a mate in. That's also an aggro just to, you know, we, we drive around with a beer and have a look. Um, yeah, sometimes I think I should. I think it's a bit like a lawyer representing themselves at times.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why I got you on the podcast now. I've got another aggro in my pocket. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> No, very good. It Sounds like Punters Runs going for a good punt there and coming outside the other end. So, how many, how long have you had this place for? And in- uh, March 2020 or May 2020, somewhere there. Yep. Yeah, so, you're still going pretty hot, but you're still keen on farming and being a young yeah. family.
1: Yeah, no, it's look, it's I just I love the smell of diesel, I love being in the cab. You just or behind a mob of cattle, there's just nothing else like it. Um, yeah, so I think if this ever not works out, I think I'll just get a job as a tractor driver somewhere.
0: Cause yeah, well, plenty of them going around at the moment.
1: Yeah, better pay too.
0: Just pay, yeah. I There was <laughs> one who was paying 50 bucks just to get people in the door last year, I
1: think. Yeah, no, there was some, there was some big wages being thrown around.
0: Hundred percent, but like on these episodes, we'll venture to get you on farms advice once a month as well, just to get your thoughts on what's happening in the markets for agro. I got a few notes here. So agro today, what's happening currently for you, and where do you think we're at with preparing for the crop? Like around us, we're a bit dry, so everyone's sort of holding off for that. I know probably early May rain. Yeah,
1: so we've had. So, I'm, I'm a fair bit more north than you. I'm closer to Inverell. Um, you know, my farm itself is uh, part way between Inverell and Moree, but uh, we've obviously had a lot more rain up here than you guys have. So, most people up here have got their oats in or their, their winter forage in by now. Yeah. Uh, and they're getting ready to probably start sowing some faba beans in the next couple of weeks or maybe a bit of Sun Max, some really long season wheat. A uh, few guys I know that do dual-purpose cropping, they've got them in the ground. Um, so that's that's where most people are. Anyone that's you know, running that longer-season stuff has either started or just about to. Everyone else is uh, probably still up their fallow sprays, and that's my job tomorrow. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's up their fallow sprays and just going over their gear, getting their machines ready. Making sure they've got their starter organised, their seed treated, their germ tests back, just everything ready, so they know. uh, Well, yeah, so they then they know what they can do, and they're set to get rolling um, as soon as they get an opportunity. And again, you're you know you're in more of just a straight winter cropping area, whereas we do summer crops as well. We like to suffer all year round.
0: Well, well, we Um, do summer crops. We had millet in the other year. Oh, did you? Yeah, there's plenty. Like if. If you're in the sort of heavier country, I suppose they they get two crops out there. Um, yeah, there's a farm near Geary. They produce twenty percent of Australia's canned corn.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I know that farm. Yeah. I imagine so. They've got a irrigation though.
0: Yeah, and and there's some dry land among there as well. But yeah, probably probably more so on the hotter hotter crops anyway. So yeah
1: yeah so anyway like we, there's a, still a bit of sorghum stuff coming off up here a bit okay. of cotton still to be defoliated but yeah it's um, that season's pretty well wrapping up and yeah the the ball keeps turning.
0: Have you dabbled in cotton agronomy or is it oh,
1: I've done a little bit yeah not not a lot I've done yeah d- done a small amount um, a little bit of dry land a little bit of uh, irrigated but yeah not a heap
0: um and to wrap that up going into another hot topic of carbon thoughts what what are you thinking about carbon where we are i'd imagine you'd pretty vocal on on this one i'm
1: i'm concerned about taking out a 25-year contract yeah like um That's i've yeah i'm well one i'm a bit skeptical on increasing soil carbon. Long term, uh, without you know, massively changing changing your uh, your farming system. Like say, if I changed all my cropping country and ran it back to pasture, I'm very confident that that'll build up soil carbon. But building soil carbon over time in cropping country, I'm I'm fairly skeptical on. Um, now there's you know there's some new tools. Coming out there into the market, uh, Lone Bio uh, releasing a series of biological products, um, which yeah, I'm following with interest. Um, that may help that, or should help that. Um, but yeah, I'm. It's just the trouble is, it it all comes down to growing biomass. To build carbon, you need to grow biomass, and you know that for the most part in a dry land farming system relies on rainfall and yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just not confident uh, about, you know, about doing that. Like, you know, you, you'd take I, I couldn't think of a dry land farmer that would take out a grain contract for further than the year that they're growing. Um, you know, I, I've never, I've, I know of people selling cotton three years out, you know, with, very reliable water access. Uh, But I've never heard of anyone selling a grain crop, you know, further out than the year they're in. And it just makes me very nervous to, to, you know, uh, sell a carbon contract for 25 years. Um, Now I've got to, you know, we should probably be baselining and working out where we're at uh, because we are, you know, it wouldn't surprise me uh, if we end up being in a position where we have to account for our carbon or are taxed on our carbon. I don't want that to happen, uh, but we've seen that happen in Canada, you know, New Zealand, uh, the Netherlands. There's things like that that are in the work. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm skeptical and and cautious that it may come come our way. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not in a rush to. To enter into a 25-year carbon contract.
0: Now, I think there's there's a lot to be... It's very early days, isn't it, for, for what's happening. I think baseline is a pretty exciting thing to be doing just as a farmer to sort of know um, without sort of blowing out those sort of costs. But the mates farm, makers they did 1,400 drills the, the other day or something. Um, it's a bit of a cost to take on board with that and then also the time to measure it and everything. Um, but I think... Maybe a couple of these people trialing it and everything. Maybe especially within your area, and different sort of farming systems could be. In,
1: yeah, to an extent, I think it's easier to do in a um, in a grazing system. Yeah. Uh, but again, you know, in twenty five years, when it's yeah, it, it's it is what it is. I. Um, <laughs> I'd be nervous if there was five years of 2019 or, you know, it could easily go the opposite way and be five years of um, 2021, just really wet year. But um, yeah, I just don't know. And that far out, it just makes me really nervous as a grower to be taking out a contract over that amount of
0: time. Especially when farmers don't know what they're having for dinner tonight. Um, That's
1: that's it.
0: But with that... I've seen that you've got a few elements on your farm of ag tech, the implements there that are improving, or maybe are, maybe aren't improving the way you work in your daily routine. What have you got on farm and why'd you get it? What convinced you?
1: Yeah. So, um, well, we've got a few things we've got the, um, uh, we've got the, you know, auto steer, um, which I think I'd paid for before I'd actually paid for the tractor. Um, just to, to give you the level of importance that I, I place on that. Uh, as any young fa- farmer knows, we, we don't know how a steering wheel works. We've got to have a computer do it for us. Uh, but that's just, you know, that, that's a no-brainer these days, just that extra efficiency you get, um, plus knowing that you haven't missed anything, you're not getting any weed blowouts. And it's a lot easier just to drive without, um, you know, to drive without having the... Uh, uh, having to worry about knowing where you're going you can watch your boom you can watch out for other things you can it's just a, a far simpler system uh so that would be you know it's the main one i use all the time uh the other piece we've got is the twr5 uh gallagher eid reader and and wire yep. uh, plus trait recorder and look The way that came about was we originally were borrowing um, a TSI off the in-laws and uh, we were just chasing a weigh box and a weight function. And then when we worked out, you know, all the extra benefits that we could get with recording those extra traits and just having like been able to make real-time decisions there at the crush. um, Yeah, that's just something that really got me got me excited and got me interested uh, because we were able to make those decisions on the fly. Go, you know what? These cattle are only putting on 0.7 of a kilo a day. There's no point keeping them. Let's just get rid of them and cut our losses. Um, Able to make decisions like that on the fly instead of you know going through the notepad and paper, adding up all the weights, coming up with an average and going, bugger, we should have got rid of them while they're in the yards. and just being able to track those gains per animal because as soon as they go in the crush, uh, we've got the EID reader there that just links the, that weight to the animal. It's yeah, they're worth a bit of money. Um, but look, if if you had at least 100 head, I'd be getting one that's just, it's just easy. And now we can integrate that into AgriWeb, which um, now we've got the TWR5, the TSI that we've been borrowing, we couldn't. Uh, we had to go through and upload them all in manually. So that'll be that'll be interesting to see how um, that works. How's and then
0: add, um does it add in the like the ID, like the E ID, yep. its weight as an individual animal into agriweb?
1: It should, yeah. yeah it. That's my understanding. I haven't done it yet. Um, because the antenna that I've got uh for my for my unit was originally meant to like have a tsi panel reader attachment yep. and um basically because that's far side of the crush i need to get an extension cord to run that antenna to the um twr which is obviously on your near side yep. whereas the previous one just had a box there that you put on it and then it would bluetooth to your tsi so i've just got to get that cord and then i'll um yeah, then we should be able to check how that works. But that's my understanding. At the moment, yep. uh, we can track each animal individually on AgriWeb, uh, but I, downlo- I I was downloading them off the TSI onto a spreadsheet and then uploading that spreadsheet. Still a pretty easy process, but, um, yeah, we should be able to do it real time now, which will be interesting.
0: Marvellous. And what else do you have on there? I know you've got a couple more or what, at least one more. Uh
1: not sure which one you're thinking of. Um, we've, what's that? Water. Water. Oh, FarmBot. Yeah, yeah. I love my little FarmBot.
0: Yeah. Nice. Um, awesome. Yes. Yeah. Reporting on Twitter there.
1: Yeah, 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 It's a it's a great tool for waking you up at five in the morning and telling you your tanks are running empty. Um, had that happen a few times, which is good because yeah. Uh, you, you, you need to know and then not know actually another time I would left a tap on I was before we had the um, float valve hooked up to the ball water tank I used to manually fill it yep. I'd left it on I was just on the way out the gate and got a message from FarmBot saying hey your tanks are dropping and which was great reminded me to go back and turn it off it's yeah, real time well every two hours it updates the rainfall updates your tanks Every two or three hours, it's just a, a great little handy tool. And at one stage there, we had some domestic pigs that worked out that, um, yeah, they could dig up their water pipes and make a mud bath every other day. So it was just great for keeping an eye on that until we could get rid of the buggers.
0: Yeah, nice. So are you still running the pigs? I've seen No, them. they're gone. Yeah.
1: They're gone. i will be on the barbecue shortly.
0: Yeah, righto. And... For ag tech, where do you see ag tech going? Like within livestock, you can sort of get all the sort of things and maybe that might be maxing it out until you play with the data. Also with genetics and stuff. Where do you see ag tech going? Like what's an area on your farm you'd love some ag tech?
1: Oh, look, I think we're probably going to, um, you know, in cropping at least, we're probably going to start moving to more autonomous systems like Swarm Farm and that sort of thing. Yeah um just yeah i i don't know where that'll go how that'll you know whether they're limited to things like spraying or whether you start getting bigger autonomous machines that can pull an air seeder
0: i think that are like a planning addition
1: yeah i know with with swarm farm you can get um uh that one of the one of the founders uh i think managed a crop right up until harvest uh, completely with with a swarm bot, he sprayed, he sowed, he he did all of that. Yeah. Um, how you harvest it? Yeah, I, I you know you're still going to need people in the system somewhere. Um, there was a project in the UK I saw at a GRDC update a while ago called the Hands Free Hectare, uh, where they had this one hectare paddock, and everything was done remotely. They sowed it, sprayed it, harvested it, and like crop checked it remotely, which was interesting. Um, yeah, so it it was a fun one, but I, I think in you know broad acre that's probably more where we're going. Yeah. Um, in your livestock, I think there's massive opportunities there for for data collection. Um, things like satellite imagery, I don't know how well they work there, just because. Every farm is different, every paddock's different, the, the grass composition is different. Um, it's probably not as straightforward and easy to manage as say looking at a at a crop um, through satellite imagery, which again, you know, that's that's got its limitation. A, a five-ton crop of Spartacus barley probably looks like a one-ton crop of planet. Yep. Um, so there's there's limitations there, but you know, they're they're tools that we use. We we do use satellite imagery as well for crop checking, um, see what areas are performing well, what areas are performing poorly. But, you know, you've got things like your OptiWay, your, your data management systems. Um, I think when you come back to your individual animal management in your livestock systems, I think that's probably where that's going to go um, and just really drive that performance, chase those growth weights chase those pregnancy rates um, and particularly if we can start running more efficient cattle, turning cattle off quicker uh, that are growing quicker and performing better, you know, that's kicking all these carbon goals as well uh, because that's less time they're running around the paddock burping.
0: Yeah. yeah, definitely. Are you running, like, are you trading or you've got cows on board as well?
1: Uh, yeah. So we've, we've got breeders. We've got about 30 breeders. Yeah, um, and then we, yeah, we we sort of dip in and out of um, of trading. A couple of years ago, we,
0: oh, we'd have about
1: two hundred head on farm at any one time, just trading heifers. Yeah, um, yeah, which you know that was pretty well helped by a rising market. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, so it's, yeah, it's it's been a fun operation. Breeders are a bit more stress free
0: yeah definitely and yeah having to move them on you don't necessarily need to as well but for yourself maz what are you most excited about being in ag and what are you passionate about next couple of years for yourself but also maybe industry
1: oh look i just yeah um I, i love the industry i just i love to see you know what innovations are coming in the world uh in the areas of cropping you know um not just you know sorting out the uh, the basics of you know NPK that sort of stuff. Just trying to work out where we can chase extra gains, where we can build a more resilient system. Um, so again, whether it's through stuff like silicon, like I mentioned before, yep. uh, your green on green sprayers, that that sort of technology is starting to roll out. Um, I'll be keen to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a whole it's just a great industry to be in. There's you know, everyone's gotta eat. It's not going away. Um, it's just got a, a big bold future in front of us.
0: And more people as well. Like with um they're talking of like half a million or a million more people coming in every year to Australia now. Yeah, but be about right. Yeah. Like for regional Australia, I think there can't be anything better. I think everyone complains about too many people, but then again it's going to improve agriculture and access probably more so for those closer to town with their blocks breaking up as well. Yeah. But I think it's only going to benefit our communities as well. So it's a good thing. Um, What's, what's to come with ITP in the paddock with Martin Murray? What can we expect? Are you chasing like seasonality? Is that the way you want to do it or what sort of yeah. trending or what just gets you buzzing or, the opposite. To be
1: honest, it's a pretty good reflection of whatever I've got going on at the time. It's, um, yeah, it's, it isn't really planned out as as well as it should be. It's just it really comes down to whatever I've been thinking about or am thinking of. Um, there's a couple of guests that would like to get on. Um, we'll track them, but yeah, it's it's just been difficult trying to get a couple of people to line up that are. Um, fairly busy individuals.
0: Yeah. Now it's the way of the world for ag. Like I, I have people who agree to come on, but then they cut out, then we reschedule, and then i have to cut out just because something comes up. But I think being in ag, we're so flexible and we know the pressures of what others may be going through or whatever, seasonalities, getting the crop in, marking the lambs or doing something before it rains. It's all sort of up in the air and it's got to change at one point. Yeah. For yourself, Maz, it has been a pretty good conversation. What would be one piece of advice, farm advice you'd like to pass on um, for people out in the paddock? Um,
1: get advice. Like, honestly, if there's something you're not sure about or if it's just something that you've, it's, you know, always been the, the way you've done it or something you're curious about, seek out advice and get it. There's plenty of people in the industry with, you know, with knowledge to share even just throw out a random question on Twitter, you know, you'll get 10 different opinions from five different people. Um, It's yeah, there's, we're not short of advice. And if you're trying to build a, a better farm and a better system, just, yeah, reach out and find someone that knows and, you know, nine out of 10 times or 10 out of 10 times, I'll be happy to help.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's probably the best shortcut and the easiest most reliable shortcut as well leaning on your professionals and there seems to be a lot more coming into the industry now with there's a bit more money floating around um people are keen and interested especially the younger ones coming in and the older ones maybe even coming back because the prices have turned around for them but for yourself where can we follow along in the paddock with martin murray
1: uh so just Search in the paddock podcast wherever you get your podcast, whether that Spotify or Apple or um, a few of the others. Um, yeah, then just search in the paddock podcast on Instagram. You'll find me there. YouTube, you'll find me there. Get to see some of the uh, wild old gear that I get to play with or have to put up with. Yep. Um, yeah. I'm a, about a month younger than you and my. Air It was the first bit of gear I bought that's younger than me, so... <laughs> it's it's fun.
0: And only down from here. If you look him up on Google, third website there, In The Paddock podcast. The ones above it, shared racehorse, ownership, and party in the paddock.
1: Party in the paddock sounds fun.
0: Yeah, you should have... You lost out there. You should have named yours, that one. But no, that's a good one, Buzz. Thanks for coming on board. I'm pretty keen to have you on board for more episodes and keen to see what we can plan out to pass on some farms advice in the paddock, should be good.
1: Sounds good. Keen to be part of it.
0: This farms advice episode does not stop here. Come and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, and even join our Facebook group. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more on this episode and spread the hashtag farmsadvice to your mates. If you can leave a review on Apple or Spotify, that will let other farmers find us too. But until then, see you next Tuesday. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms Advice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people today. Also, because you're stuck around, make sure to check out our Facebook group where we dive in a little bit deeper into the conversation, but also a place where you can ask your questions.